Welcome to the Happy in the Mess podcast. We are your hosts, Marlena, Sherry, and Matthew. We are therapists and coaches, and we want to share our own stories with you, as well as the wisdom, insights, and tips we've learned along the way. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Happy in the Mess. This is our season two, episode six. We are now discussing what makes a strong marriage, what helps a marriage last longer than the average typical marriage, and what are some insider secrets. Today, we have with us, as usual, Sherry Timko, the relationship coach, and Matthew Morgan, the misfit coach. And surprise, surprise, they've both been in long-term marriages, so we're really excited. I'm really excited to hear what they have to share today around this topic, and also like what causes marriages to crumble. So we're going to look at both, you know, what makes a marriage successful? What does that even mean? And what you can do to keep yours going and healthy. And if it's not, what are the options? So um, today, let's just kick off what, how would you both describe what makes a marriage quote unquote successful? What does that even mean? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to your clients? You know, this is my favorite topic and I can talk about marriage all day long. So um, I'll just try and keep my stuff brief. But I am very excited about, uh, I just am very optimistic about couples and how they can have a good relationship um, and and that there is a lot of hope. Um, so for me, a successful marriage is one that is the intersection of both personalities. Mm-hmm. So it's where you find that sweet spot between two different two people who have different ideas and values and views on the world. And they find that sweet spot where it lines up, where they both get their needs met. Mm. I like that idea. It's a merging of two and it's a complementary process. Absolutely. I'm just excited that marriage is what brings us together today. (laughs) Um, But no, and I, it brings us together. And I think that whole idea of it, it really, it, it brings together individuals. It brings together a lot of times communities. Um, in the case of Romeo and Juliet, maybe that didn't work too well, but uh, it, 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 what you were saying, Sherry, it's, it's two people who are coming together and finding that place at which it's a very odd intersection. I think where they exist individually and there's also a couple that exists and finding that, I use the term balance, but I always use it in terms of a bicycle. It's never a, a balance. It's a left-right kind of back and forth balance. Um, when I was working with couples, uh, one of the things I would use a lot of times, and I was very frustrated because somebody actually came up with this as a book title, um, but I always say it's it's like an 80-20 thing, like about 80% is the couple together. Um, a, a 50-50 doesn't work because uh, as you find over time, there's always times that somebody falls short or changes um, or the terrain adapts. Um, and if you're 50-50 over a, like a chasm, as soon as something shifts, it, both of you fall. Um, if you're completely both over 100%, then also as things shift, there's not a stability there. So if you find that that sweet spot where this person exists with their ideals and hopes and dreams and fears and all that stuff, and this person does the same thing, and they can complement each other, I think that's really what makes uh, an ideal marriage or, or a functional marriage. So I'll take that even one step further. 
Um, if you think about two overlapping circles, um, you're looking for the balance that works well for the two partners. And some couples overlap only a little bit. Their marriage is a very small portion and they have a lot of independence, whereas other couples, they're almost entirely overlapping and that independence is very small. And so that successful part is finding what that ideal balance is for you and no navigating and negotiating the places where that doesn't automatically line up. That's really interesting. Yeah. So what you're saying is that it doesn't, people are, couples are individual in that what works for them. So it's not, we do everything. Cause I have known couples who work together, live together. Everything is together. And I'm like, wow, it seems like a lot of together time. And then other couples who have these very robust lives outside of each other. And, but that seems to work as well. And it's like, well, you know, w which is it, but it, it could be either. Yeah. And I think communicating that expectation is, is really the key is, or is whatever Sherry, I love that analogy, that idea of the, the, the concentric circles, as long as we've communicated that that's what each of us need and what each of us expect, it, it seems like that works well. Um, we, my, my wife and I were laughing one time, uh, our, she does daycare out of the house. Um, and one of the couple's he pays one week and she pays one week um, from their own separate checking accounts. And and she and I looked at each other like we didn't even know that was an option. Like as soon as we were married, everything has been it's been pulled together. It's been shared. Um, but as long as it works for the couple, that's the that's the key, I think. Mm. Yeah, this is, I think, something that's really exciting that's happening in the world is that I think. I'll speak for myself, my generation. When you got married, there was kind of a script or a template. And this is what your marriage was supposed to look like. And there were a couple of different templates you could pick from, but really it, there weren't a, there wasn't a lot of variety. And what I see in younger couples is this navigating and negotiating for what really works for them. And mm. so the, the, picture of what a marriage looks like is just like there's every gradation of it. Um, I think a lot of this comes out when you're first, well, when you're dating, a lot of this comes out after you get past that like really exciting limerence period where you're just so into each other that you don't care about anyone else, but mm -hmm. then really paying attention to whether what you need matches up with what your partner needs and making sure that those fit together. They don't have to be seamless, but you have to be in the same general area. You can't have one partner who wants that little bit of overlap and the other partner wants that complete overlap because that's, that's not going to be sustainable. They're going to have to negotiate a lot all the time. Mm. Do you find that maybe one model works better than another uh, consistently? If there's some sort of pattern that you see that like, oh, this type of couple seems to, seems to have it made. No. And you can take the two partners and put them with other partners and that marriage will look completely different. So mm. this is so unique to the two people who come together and you can use other examples to help you get ideas and work through problems like, but really looking at other people's marriages 
doesn't work because, because it's like what works for them is the intersection of the two of them. So you have to find what is the intersection of your relationship. I love that, Sherry. And thank you, because this is the intersectionality of both of your expertise, Matthew, recognizing how different and unique each individual is. And Sherry, you honoring the fact that that's going to show up differently for each couple and not to like hold them up to a certain standard. So I'd like just to take a moment to discuss kind of your work and where to find you as we um, before we engage in the rest of this episode, because this is a really important point and speaks to both of your expertise. So Sherry, where can we find you? What's going on in your world? I'm at SherryTimco.com and I'm all over on social media. Um, I'm starting a second round of my married dating program. And it is a structured dating program for couples who are married and uh, need to work out some of those things. Many of them have fallen into roommate syndrome or have accepted kind of a half-hearted marriage Mm -hmm. where things are fine, but they're not actually really good. So Mm -hmm. this is a program to help them really connect. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And Matthew, where can we find you? Absolutely. You can find me at MatthewEMorgan.com or MisfitRefuge.com. Right now, I'm just kind of playing with both of them just to (laughs) see what works and what's easier. Um, So, um, and right now, we're just kind of laying low. Um, You know, I'm providing some help for people who are struggling to find their voice and and that uh, really identify some of their nature with as being a highly sensitive person, ADHD, neurodivergent. but, uh, you know, I, I, there's some great stuff coming. Um, we're just having fun. Uh, we're kind of playing with some of the nerd therapy, geek therapy stuff. Um, so feel free to check that out and just see what's there. Oh, that's wonderful. And as you all know, I'm Marlena and you can find me at coachmarlena.com. And, um, I am coming out with some heartbreak cure stuff, grief, um, for Valentine's day. So, Uh, keep your eyes posted on that. You can find me in all the socials, but thank you both for sharing because we all touch on relationships in our practices. Um, This is a huge topic for everybody who comes in, regardless of what they think, what they're coming in for. So I know that, you know, you mentioned roommate syndrome, Sherry. I just want to go back to that really quick and, and, and have you both kind of speak on that doesn't necessarily sound unhealthy. It may sound unsatisfying. So how do you, how do you, how do you know your marriage is sort of in an unhealthy spot or just an unsatisfying spot? And and what do you do about that? And when is it time to go or like dig in and really work? A lot of questions, but who would like to get started? <laughs> I think for me, and, and I want to be careful because I don't want to air out too much of my laundry, but uh, you know, my wife and I, we've been together for, we're, we're getting close to 26 years of marriage here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we got married quickly and, um, which means that we didn't know how much we did not know. Um, the, I have to, one of the things I go back to a lot of times, uh, of all weird movies that I, um, Richard Gere in, um, Runaway Bride. Um, he has this idea of the perfect proposal, um, and basically says something effective. Yeah, I guarantee we'll have tough times and I guarantee at some point one or both of us will want to get out, um, and I think that's it it goes into this idea of with relationships. I think there are times that one or both of us have have wanted out. I'm not going to speak for my wife, but uh, I'm not the easiest person to live with at times. <laughs> um, you know, i'm I am a force of chaos. Um, I have to laugh. She's complete opposite. she uh, she will change if she if she has to. 
um, and is forced to and is given uh, six to eight months to process whatever it is. <laughs> so um, we're and we work going back to that. We, we navigate those expectations. Um, we recognize each other's strengths in this. Um, as far as, you know, when when we start looking at like roommate syndrome or change it, like there's always a change in dynamics of a relationship. The times change, our desires change, our biology changes. I have pictures of us dating upstairs in our fridge. I don't look like that anymore. Um, you know, surprise, I changed. Um, so each step we have to navigate. Um, but I think some of those warning signs are as you start to pull out of that relationship is, um, and we talked uh, our last episode, we talked about processing emotions um, or two episodes ago, we talked about processing emotions. And I think that is such a key thing in a marriage, right? Why am I angry? Why am I upset at this person? Why do I growl? Why do I put the dishes away violently? Um, because those are signs that there's some unhappiness there. And that's a great time to start leaning in and saying, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. I Go ahead, Sherry. So if you picture the two of you walking down a path, um, it's as if sometimes one of you goes off on a side path or your path pulls you guys apart. And so having a really good relationship is being able to recognize those times when you feel disconnected, when things are out of sync. And instead of feeling distressed by it, or feeling disappointed or lonely, that being a flag or a something that catches your attention that says, oh, it's time to do the things that bring us back together so that there's room for each partner to grow and grow at different, different rates. And that that's the ebb and flow of the relationship. You're supposed to go through seasons where some of them are really connected and focused on each other and other seasons where um, maybe they're not. I remember we had um, we had three kids in three years and it was quite intense and yeah. it was it was years in and I realized that I hadn't actually looked up at my husband or another adult for a very long time. And that I actually had to like intentionally make eye contact with him because I was so busy looking down at our kids. Mm. So being able to recognize that season and then, you know, respond to what's going on, but always trying to keep that connection strong enough that you will pull back towards each other. Now, I meet a lot of couples who are in distress, who've been through some really, really hard things in crisis. And that's the piece that brings them back together is that being able to recognize that that connection is still there and then pull back towards each other. Now, if they don't, then what happens is they spin off away yeah. from each other. I really appreciate this, this topic of, um, well, both of you normalizing the fact that it's normal to have some ebbs and flows and that, that to renegotiate expectations and what, what each of you need, cause it changes over time, um, for a variety of reasons. And it's not 
it doesn't mean the marriage is now destined to fail. It just means that more communication is needed and that it's really normal to, for this to happen. It's normal for one or both parties to want to leave at times. It's normal. Um, what would you say is if you have, can you give us some insider secrets of like, this is essential to keeping a marriage going? Um, what do you attribute your own marriages, uh, longevity to? I don't know if those are the same. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think I mentioned this in the, the discussion we had when I was talking about uh, my spotlight is that um, I give my husband a lot of credit for our marriage. We've been um, married for 22 years and together a few more years than that. Um, And he is very even keel. He lets a lot of things roll off his back. When he's really upset about something, I know I need to pay attention because he doesn't usually get upset about things. (laughs) Now, that being said, um, if I'm being like clinical about this, In order to have a good relationship, there are three systems that have to work well. The first is you have to have good relationship habits. Those are the things that help help you know each other and help you stay connected on a daily basis. The second system is you have to be able to work through problems. So either one of you bring up an issue, talk about the different options, figure out what the solution is, The third system is that you have to be able to clean up messes, that couples hurt each other. Mm. They, I wish it weren't true, but couples hurt each other and can hurt each other very deeply. And Mm -hmm. so you have to have ways that make repairs. The most straightforward way of making a repair is an apology. I should, I should qualify a good apology. Mm. There's a lot of bad apologies. And if you have those three systems that work well, then most relationships are going to function well and are going to be able to handle lots of changes. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So I could keep going. I'll just take a a breath there. (laughs) (laughs) I almost feel the need to say, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, (laughs) Ranks right up there with those great apologies. Um, No, and it, and I'll just depend on words of advice. I think having those things in mind, and I, I think in general, having a lot of grace uh, within a couple, um, always tempered with, we're still working on this, you know, and not, not allowing things to become habitual, um, not allowing them to get away with us or get away from us um, mm-hmm. is super key. Um I love that idea of, of it's messy. Um, and we do, we hurt each other intentionally. We hurt each other unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, working with highly sensitives, one of my things that I harp on quite frequently is that because we are empathetic, we tend to know weak spots. And, and in couples in general, as a nature of being intimate, you you know how to hurt the other person. You know where their hot buttons are. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal of, you know, or within one of the, boundaries within being a couple is you you're not allowed to do that you you can't hit those sensitive spots or you're going to have a reaction highly sensitives can do that with blinding efficiency and deadly accuracy um and it never ends up good because they end up being upset at themselves they end the the partner's upset and it starts to build a culture of of hurt so i think that idea of constantly Mm -hmm. going back in making repairs making adjustments um, is one of those key things. Um, 
poor couple. And then the flip side, we should be having fun. Um, mm. A relationship yes. should be fun. It should, it should be silly. Um, it's going to be messy at times. Um, and again, if you can laugh at those mistakes, um, if you can go out and do just weird things, I mean, the whole idea of coupling can be really weird anyway. Um, so the more you allow that to happen, I think uh, you really start to build up strength and build up resilience within the relationship. Oh, so laughing, is- laughing together not laughing at each other yes very key there (laughs) well this is these are great reminders and if this episode is provoking any um, comments or thoughts i encourage you to comment below in the episode notes and let us know what you're thinking and like share and subscribe um, because this may be um, an ongoing discussion we we will definitely circle back around to relationships and long-term marriages and partnerships in future episodes um, we can't possibly cover all the topics that this episode is provoking for me today as host. Um, one other question I had. So I, I wondered about, you know, I learned in my first family counseling as a counselor that marriages go through tough spots at certain certain times. And that, that is the first year of marriage tends to be really hard. The seven year, it's just, they say, can be a, a time for potential divorce. And then when the kids leave the house and there's empty nest, I'm curious what you all have noticed with with these years and if that there's some truth to that or what would you say are some i guess more challenging times for longer term partnerships well definitely the first year is a very challenging year that's when you're figuring out how to live well with each other mm-hmm. um the birth of the first child is also a a u-turn in the relationship you've got to negotiate a lot of things again Now, this is all complicated by the fact that the research shows that couples wait six years of having problems before getting help. So Mm -hmm. I think the year seven, eight, somewhere in there is a big time when relationships fall apart. But what that means is that for most couples, it started to fall apart within the first year or two of the relationship, and then they didn't do anything to correct that course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, uh, yeah, normalizing too that the first year and the first child are both challenging, um, and and plenty of people, as we know, continue on and end up having very joyful marriages. I mean, it doesn't have to. It just means working on some of the things that you all just talked about. You know, uh, Matthew, what do you say? No, and to that point, a lot of times, yeah, asking for help when you're at a spot um, is so key. Uh, marriage is not a it's not like we have to take a test to get a marriage license or anything like that. I mean, it's when you get into this, it's, it's open field, it's open world. It's everything is variable. So having somebody skilled that you can work with gets to be super important. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as we're talking about bumps in the road, the first thing that really jumped to mind for me um, was really any type of grief. Um, any type of grief episode has that potential to disrupt the relationship um, because it disrupts us, disrupts us as individuals. Um, so we have been uh, through the loss of a child. We've been through the loss of a parent. Uh, my wife and I have each lost, uh, actually through the pandemic, we lost uh, one parent each within six months of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and which meant that we also both lost, you know, in-law is still family. Um, so any any type of things like that. We also struggled with infertility. So that that was another one of those times that we noticed the relationship really 
needed some of that tweaking and needs some of that extra processing. Um, it's not the end just because we go through grief or go through one of these moments. It doesn't mean it's the end of it, but I think it's, it gives us a moment to pause and maybe proceed very delicately and allow going back to the emotional processing, allow the emotions to process, um, hopefully to lean on each other and find understanding and, and allow that to be a, a couple's healing in the process. There's yeah. a really good examples of events that can trigger Others are building a house together, mm -hmm. having kids leave home, um, loss of a job, things that really shift the way you think of yourself. Mm -hmm. Then you start shifting the way you think of your relationship. And if your relationship doesn't adjust and adapt with that, that's when you run into trouble. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm curious too, along the same note, like that, those might be periods of tension when people may decide to separate or get a divorce or, um, you know, think about maybe another relationship. And I'm curious, do you take yourself everywhere you go? Will the, the issues that you had on the first relationship likely to show up again, because you are still you, uh, if, if they were, if there was no growth or no learning, is it possible that the next relationship will eventually have the same problems? That is the conventional wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, the way around. So yes and no. Yes, because you're still contributing what you contribute to the next relationship. But no, because you're with someone else. And that person is different than your first partner. And of course, you bring a lot of that baggage from the first relationship. And mm -hmm. so it is worth having some time between relationships and really doing some personal work mm -hmm. so that you bring something different to the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd have to, I think, concur on that. I think there is that potential to always bring whatever the problem was um, into that. Um, but that other that other partner's the X factor there because sometimes they have that ability. Sherry, I appreciate your comment earlier that your husband's even keel nature helps helps make navigating some of this well i almost got the, the image of maybe a shock absorber um, mm -hmm. but they the shocks can only crunch so far and sometimes they will bounce back um and i think going into that if you're going if you're in a situation where you're going into a subsequent relationship you still owe it to yourself to check in um, and really weigh out maybe is this a me issue or was this a we issue um but then you also have to navigate, does that other person have that same trait as well that may make it more challenging? Mm. Um, so again, I think with everything, it's just open communication, it's talking, it's awareness of this, um, and then hopefully some grace to get through that transition too. Mm. I yeah. think a great analogy to think about this is when you change jobs. So if you change jobs from one job and the next job is the same sort of job, then the only thing that's going to be different is the culture. But a lot of jobs have the same culture in that industry. But if you change jobs and you move to a, an adjacent industry or even a completely different industry, then you're going to end up with a different experience. But you're still the same person going into each of those jobs. So you'll see some patterns, some problems that might reoccur that are what you're bringing there. Mm. 
Yeah. And I, we could talk for at length with on this topic with marriage. And I, I know that time is, is getting short, but I'm curious for our listeners, what would you say to people who are considering marriage, um, who are probably in the premarital phase or um, even seasoned people? I know that those might be two separate pieces of advice, but maybe not. Um, what would you like our listeners to take away with when we talk about making marriage last or making it successful? It's interesting. I appreciate that you even brought all of those together because whether it's somebody who is starting out or just if you're waking up for the, I don't know, 27,000th time, I don't know what the math is on that one. So don't, don't fault me on that. But um, I, I think each day is a new day in a relationship. Um, and you want to build on what the previous day was. You want to change or adapt, but I think giving yourself that option to continually work on it, continually put effort on it. If somebody's thinking about getting married, you know, they, they need to look at that. They need to know that this doesn't make problems go away. It doesn't make life easier. It just gives you an extra set of, of things to worry about, um, but also an extra set of help, uh, in the process. Um, so going into it, eyes wide open. And, and again, know that someday, you know, one or both of us may feel like getting out of this thing and having that commitment ahead of time to, to decide what to do with it. Mm. Um, and again, that goes with the brand new person, um, clear up to, you know, when I woke up this morning, I, I make my decisions. Am I going to feed into this relationship and make it better? Um, am I going to hold back and do what I need to do for me? Mm. The advice I will give to my daughters and how I will be kind of quietly in the background evaluating their relationships is, um, does this person bring out the best in you? Mm. Do they help you grow? Do you see them helping you reach those goals that you have for yourself? Um, so does this person bring out the best in you? Now, obviously, you're going to get married and you're going to see the worst of each other. So for seasoned couples, it is to continue choosing your spouse, you know, that you are supposed to grow, you are supposed to change. Um, and when you do that well, you can adapt that relationship to fit what you need it to be for both of you as you go on. Um, and so just to choose each other, because if you choose each other every day, then you're going to very slowly change that relationship. You don't have as many um, U-turns or dropping off the cliff because you know the path that they're on and you've been cheering them along and you've been encouraging them to do things. So choose them every day. I love that because both of you mentioned sort of daily, daily intentionality with your relationship. And that really is getting out ahead of it so that you're building your resilience or your sort of insurance for staying together. The more you do a daily kind of almost daily focus on, on the, on what the needs of the relationship are and how to, how to give it life. Um, so I really appreciate that. And that you can make long-term changes by doing these small little things on a regular basis. Um, yeah. Those are my favorite kind of changes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, they're the most easier and easiest and most sustainable to practice. Um, 
I really appreciated this discussion and I know there's so much more we could talk about with it and hopefully we'll have some more episodes So stay tuned. So again, like share and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode and drop any comments and other things that you'd like to see discussed regarding this or other topics. Um, and again, we can reach you at sherrytimco.com. Is that correct, Sherry? And yeah. matthewmorgan.com or Matthew, Matthew e. Morgan. E. Morgan. Yep. Matthewemorgan.com. And you can get me up coachmarlena.com. Uh, thank you both so much for, for participating in this discussion. We'll look forward to the next one next week.